Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and creative writing instructor. You can find more about me at BlairHurley.com and on Twitter at bhurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. This week, I'm so excited to be doing another author interview. And this week, I spoke with Cheryl Lulian Tan. Cheryl Lulian Tan is the author of the international bestsellers Sarong Party Girls and A Tiger in the Kitchen, a memoir of food and family. She is also the editor of the fiction anthology Singapore Noir, and she is most recently the editor and contributor to the collection Anonymous Sex. Cheryl was a staff writer at the Wall Street Journal, InStyle, and the Baltimore Sun, and her stories and reviews have also appeared in the New York Times, Times Literary Supplement, the Paris Review, the Washington Post, and Bon Appetit, among others. Born and raised in Singapore, she lives in New York City. So let's get right to my conversation with Cheryl. I'm speaking with Cheryl Lulian Tan, and uh, Cheryl is the writer of several different books, uh, and most recently is the editor and contributor to Anonymous Sex. Uh, which is really a fantastic collection. I'm deep uh, into it now and just enjoying it so much. It's just, uh, what an interesting array of writers that, and voices that you've pulled together in this book. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Um, it was kind of a, a fun sort of pandemic project, uh, hmm. I guess. We've been thinking about it for years and then finally we were like, let's do it, let's do it now. We have all the time in the world. And uh, it turned out uh, 25 other writers thought the same thing too. So <laughs> it was great. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I'll just get right into it. Uh, I always like to ask writers what tips they like to share with their fellow writers. So, so Cheryl, what is a tip that you like to share with writers to, um, to improve their writing in whatever way you think? Well, there are a few things that I sort of rely on all the time. Um, and, you know, I was a journalist for many years. And so I was used to having to describe um, scenes very vividly to readers on a very, on a very tight deadline, usually. So I very often think about, okay, well, am I really placing people there? You know, what does a room smell like? What does it look like? What's the color of the curtains? Is there a wallpaper on the walls? Um, and so I'm always always thinking about what a place, what things feel like, what they smell like, um, what people look like, um, and trying to be just as descriptive as possible and really, really placing people there. Mm -hmm. um, it might seem like something very basic that most people do anyway, but, you know, sometimes I read a book and I'm just like, I just can't see this character. I, I can't visualize the person and it kind of bothers me sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so that's something that I do. Um, for me, both with fiction and with nonfiction, I, my, my books are very character driven. And, um, and so I really start thinking about who the characters are, what drives them, you know, what they feel, what, what drives their emotions, what drives their actions. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my first book was A Tiger in the Kitchen. It was a memoir about going back to Singapore to learn about my family by learning. <laughs> so for me, um, when I'm writing, whether I'm writing fiction or nonfiction, um, characters really drive everything. I, I need to know, you know, what's going to drive a character to do something or to feel something or to say something. And this was the case with um, A Tiger in the Kitchen, which was my first book. It was a memoir about a year I spent traveling back to Singapore to learn about my family, the women in my family by learning how to cook. And um, it was interesting to think about my family members as characters, but I really had to uh, in order to really flesh them out and make the book compelling. Mm -hmm. um, and with fiction, I've done that um, as well. But so what I very often do is I'll take huge sheets of paper and I'll stick them up on the walls. And then I'll just, you know, each each character has a different sheet of paper and hmm. I put their name real big on the top. And then I just go through everything that I can think of about the character. 
Um, you know, what flavor of ice cream she likes, you know, what's her favorite color? Um, you know, does she have a favorite piece of music? Does she like classical music or jazz music or something? And so a lot of that stuff won't go into the book necessarily, but it helps mm -hmm. me to know where she's coming from. You know, it's like that tip of the iceberg thing. Like, you know, in the, in the novel, you really only see like a little bit of what this character feels and thinks and the history of, of their, their emotional existence or whatever. Um, but you've got to know, I think, as the writer, as a creator of this world, um, you know, exactly what this person likes to have for breakfast. Um, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and that, that to me really drives um, the book sometimes because I like my characters. I, I, the best case scenario for me is for my characters to have so much agency that I feel like they're pulling me along through the book. Um, you know, I know I, I, I used to, before I started writing books, I used to read author's quotes about saying, oh, you know, I felt like, you know, this spirit was like moving through my pen. Like, you know, I was just yeah. sort of, yeah, but I kind of felt like that with my novel, especially that mm -hmm. I would wake up every morning and there would be this voice in my head going like, hurry up, you know, let's go. Let's just start typing already. Um, but, and I think you get that moment when you've given your characters such agency that they exist as individuals in your head and you're just sort of listening to their dialogue and they're following, you're following them on their adventures and they're just off doing their own thing. Um, mm -hmm. But that can't happen for me unless I've really mapped out everything about them, you know, where they went to high school, you know, who their first boyfriend was and everything. Once that happens, and I know them well enough, they just take off and they take me along. Um, I don't know if that Do makes you sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's so helpful to hear. And do you sort of take notes on these details and on their background and on their likes and dislikes before you get writing? Or is it just something that you sort of work on along the way? I usually start with some sense of it. Um, I don't usually fill up the whole big page that I have on them. Um, hmm. But um, but I add to it as I go along because mm -hmm. as they as I put them in different scenarios or they put themselves in different scenarios, I might learn something different about them. Like oh you know oh this person really doesn't like being on a boat you know or something. And then I'll just right right. Um, and so so the character develops as I develop the book, but I really have to have a really a strong sense of who they are from the beginning. Um, and so mm. actually writing it down and pinning those pieces of paper on the wall, it, the, that's very helpful for me because I can look, it's like a cheat sheet right away. I can just look at it yeah. and go, oh yeah, okay. So this guy, you know, doesn't really like that or whatever. Right. I love that idea of having that organization in front of you visually, having the notes so that you can rely on them. I find myself that I'll, when I'm writing and struggling a little bit, I'll often like glance at my bookshelves and look at the titles of books. And that helps me feel inspired somehow to imagine the stories that are inside them. So I love that sense of having a visual reference to look at and think about. That's great. <laughs> so, I, I love that you do that because I kind of do it too. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's funny, like I have um, certain books that I always like to kind of think about right before I start a big project. And one of them is On Chesil Beach by Ian McEwan. Oh, and I love that I, book, yeah. <laughs> no, and I always um, reread it right before starting something big. Um, because to me, it, the way those two characters develop as the story unfolds, it's just masterful the way he did it. And mm -hmm. um, and you know it's so well written and it's so darkly funny and sad and yeah. poignant. And so yeah, I just love it. It's got everything in it. Mm. Um, but the other thing I do too is I I like to read aloud what what I'm writing. So I read it yes. aloud at the end of the day. But I also sometimes read read a lot. I write at, I I I sometimes read what I'm writing aloud as I'm writing it. Um, and, Fascinating. Mm -hmm. and, this was important to me with my last book, uh, The Sorong Party Girls. Um, there was a novel, all my, most of my books, except for Anonymous Sex, are set in Singapore. And Sorong Party Girls 
was written first person entirely in Singlish, which is the um, sort of the patois that we speak at home um, on, to, on Singaporeans speak to each other. Um, when mm -hmm. people come in from abroad, we speak a more proper Queen's English. But, um, but you know, amongst ourselves, like we speak varying, um, varying levels of Singlish. So which is it's basically English with Chinese words and Malay words kind of mixed in. And mm. sometimes if the sentence doesn't seem quite right, it might be because the words are English, but the sentence structure is Chinese or Malay. Um, oh, interesting. Uh -huh. Yeah, so like, for example, um, you know, in Malay, there's not really a plural. Uh, so something is just said twice for emphasis. So you'd be like, bag, bag, um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's for, so interesting. Yeah, to be writing um, first person, uh, you know, entirely in Singlish, it was really important to me to be able to hear it because it's it's a very musical language um, if you hear it. And and so, you know, it sort of, it sort of like, pushed me along as I was as I was writing and also it you know it helped me um I didn't want to be canceled for doing for 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 writing anything wrong in Singlish um and so I so I was able to go like wait that doesn't sound quite right in my head um so mm -hmm. then I okay that you know and we have to fix that yeah other writers have spoken on this podcast about the importance of reading their work aloud for similar reasons it just like you can just it's a great quality control checker right there and you can hear whether the music of the sentence is flowing or not so great yeah. well thank you so much cheryl this was a, a whole bunch of great tips for writers to try and to put into action for their writings this is so helpful and thank you so much for appearing on the podcast thank you for having me thanks for listening and thanks again to Cheryl for appearing on the podcast. You can act, find her books at your local bookstore, especially her latest one, Anonymous Sex. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.